So let's take our first step. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 reads this way, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And of course, that if there's any area the church is ignorant in, it would be concerning spiritual gifts. He says, concerning these spiritual gifts, brethren, when I would not have you ignorant, and you know as well as I do, that he would not make a statement like that entering into a chapter without going on before this chapter is over and totally supplying all the information that you and I need to eradicate spiritual ignorance. And it was knowing these things that caused me to pitch a tent in this chapter and drive the stakes deep and camp there and meditate and meditate and meditate and meditate until I finally begin at least to emerge with an understanding of His spiritual empowerment not only in the gifts and in the offices, and not only in the nine gifts empowering the offices, but in the eight operations of God. Now, I don't mind telling you, I meditated and meditated, as we said, in times past, until my meditator liked to fell out on the ground, you know. Just couldn't resist it. I got my inner linears and outer linears and interiors, exteriors, woosts, weaks, and strongs, and added any assistance that I could to eradicating my spiritual ignorance. Now, I moved into a tent and camped in that chapter time after time. I hid the whole thing in the midst of my heart so I could meditate on it day and night. I can't study day and night. I can't memorize day and night. I cannot read day and night. But the other side of the coin is I can meditate day and night because I devoured that chapter, stored it in the midst of my spirit, and I pull it out anytime I want, day and night, and lapse over into meditation and listen to the Holy Ghost over and over and over. Why? Because I know He's the only one that can bring me out on the other side of it, walking in power. And I found out this power has everything to do with peace. Well, I meditated. And do you know what I found out? I don't have five weeks, so I'm going to skip some stuff. I have found out from pitching my tent that there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Of course, that's laying around on the surface. You know, Jesus said the man that does his sayings is the man that can weather any storm because he digged deep and laid his foundation on the rock of doing his sayings. And if the rock is doing his sayings, then the deep digging was into revelation knowledge to lay that house on a rock. This means 
the stuff that he's talking about is not laying around on top of the ground. He digged deep. You know. So I found out there's nine gifts of the Spirit, and of course I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. I also found out that these nine gifts of the Spirit are in divine order. He starts out with the word of wisdom and ends up with the interpretation of tongues. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, workings of miracles. They're all in divine order. And that made me finally understand why dinosaur kind of ministries like Lester Summerall, just bowls everything in front of him over. In fact, with Lester, you have two options. Join him or get out of the way. Your choice. But the man continues to build layer after layer upon the foundational rock that his life is established on. Nobody seems to be able to stop him. Uh, see, the man's ministry is saturated with the word of wisdom. That word of wisdom is the top. It is a priority gift of the Spirit. But finding these things out, these nine gifts of the Spirit empower the five ministry offices. They not only empower, but they qualify. Qualify. And we know more about them as faith people than anything. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And these nine gifts not only empower, but they qualify. What constitutes an office to be an office is the power of the Holy Spirit that is flowing through that office. If all you want to do is teach, then you are a teacher. If all you want to do is pastor, then you are a pastor. And if all Jesus in you wants to do is apostle things, then you're an apostle. If all Jesus wants to do in you is prophet people, <laughs> then you could be weird. No. Nine gifts that empower and that qualify. Five ministry gift offices. And folks... These nine gifts that empower these five offices are enveloped in eight operations of God. And these eight operations constitute the makeup of the entire body of Christ. You fit somewhere within the barriers of these eight operations of God. I don't care who you are, your background, where you come from. If you're born again, you are called to fill one of these eight operations we're about to list. So look at the 27th verse of 1 Corinthians 12, which reads this way. Now you are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. 
Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. You and I are an individual member in a vast body called the body of Christ. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, Now notice in the miracles and gifts of healings they have replaced the pastor and the evangelist because by this time they're qualified as an operation of God and these two power gifts, miracles and gifts of healings, envelop and empower the pastor and the evangelist's office. That's what qualifies him. He said, thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, and then the sixth operation is helps, the seventh operation is governments. But notice the eighth operation. Notice the eighth operation. It is called the diversities of tongues. And it's a shame. Because until we find out more about this eighth operation, we're not going to know very much about the other seven operations. In fact, let's take this a little bit further. It says, are all apostles, God forbid, no. Are all prophets, heaven's sakes, no, even though most think they are. (laughs) Are all teachers? Well, depending on the sleeping rate during the services, I'd say no. (laughs) Are all workers of miracles? Of course not. Have all gifts of healings? Of course not. Everybody's not in power and office by gifts of healings, although everyone is called to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. There is a difference. Have all gifts of healings? No. And then Paul says something that I just soon he left out. Do all speak with tongues? I beg your pardon. (laughs) Notice he says, do all speak with tongues? You know, I I felt like counseling, Paul. You could have made it a whole lot easier on guys like me if you'd have left that statement out. You almost ever had a Baptist cornered? Just about to get him. Now he says, wait a minute, I remember a verse. He flips over and looks, look at here. Do all speak with tongues? He says, No more do they all speak with tongues than they are apostles and prophets and teachers. And for a long time, I just hoped that they wouldn't find that verse while I was cornering them. Because I didn't know what to say. Do all speak with tongues? He said, do all interpret Now, the reason he called that eighth operation diverse tongues, it may amaze you to know that the word diverse means diversities of or different manifestations of the supernatural language called tongues. 
And the reason the church has got into such problems over this eighth operation is because we have tried to clump exact same set of rules on all the different diversities of tongues and we have come up with mass confusion. It's impossible. And right here, I'm going to tell you something. There's never been an operation of the Spirit that the devil's more afraid of. Because there's never been a gift quite designed like this one to get involved with your personal life. If the devil could not remove it from generation to generation like he did through the dark ages, then he mass confuses it so bad that it's discredited and any integrate person don't want anything to do with it. What is it about this lowly gift, this eighth operation, that strikes such a fear into Satan's heart? Why does he fight it so hard? Why is there an entire chapter dedicated to the understanding of the proper use of this eighth operation if it is not one of the most dangerous things that you can get your hands on? If he couldn't remove it out of the church, then he discredited a confusing. It's one of the last things in God's green earth the devil wants is for you to blunder on like myself. Blundered on to it. Quite by accident. But nevertheless, I blundered on to it. I'd like to take the credit for it. But I can't. I blundered on to it. I only started praying with tongues to survive the hours that I had committed to not because I had any great, astounding, deep, calleth to deep revelation. <laughs> what is it about this gift that strikes such fear into the devil? I'll tell you what. I wish that I could fill the office of an apostle. Five minutes after I'm born again, I cannot. No more the prophet, the teacher. No more. Workings of miracles, gifts of healings constituting the evangelist and pastor's office. It takes years of maturing and seasoning and training and then finally separation from the power of the Holy Spirit. I cannot. I can't even fill helps and governments five minutes after I'm born again. That's what church splits are made out of. Oh, you got a lot of money. Let me put you on my board. Come on, you little flesh creature. Just keep making them <clears throat> rather large donations. And you can have a vote as one of our counselors. Or, my, my, you have a voice like Elvis Presley. <laughs> you can really move people. I have room on my staff for you. And all the time, because of no character development and no seasoning of the Holy Spirit, there's a bunch of character flaws lurking just beneath the surface. 
waiting to leap upon your operation and tear it up. Of course, none of you have experienced that. <laughs> I can't even feel the ministry of helps and governments those sixth and seventh operations of God five minutes after I'm born again because a man must be found and proven faithful. Oh, hallelujah. That makes me feel so good. I mean, I can't hardly stand myself as it is. There's only one operation and that's the eighth that I can not only feel five minutes after I'm born again, but I can feel it simultaneously with my rebirth. I actually enter into the government of God on the level of the eighth operation when I'm born again, and those counselors get a hold of me and say, Have you spoken tongues since you believed? Tongues? What's tongues? Trust me, little Lamb of God, you know. <laughs> In a moment, your mouth will be shaping words. Supernatural. What supernatural words? Do you remember in the course of the evening you heard a couple of people go, Yes, I've been meaning to ask you about that. Well, you're about to do that, you little sheepy sheep. Glory to God. Whatever you say, I don't know nothing about. Now, who'd you say Jesus was? He's the Son of God. He's the one that you just received. But now this one's the Holy Ghost. You're going to get him next. Whatever you say, I can, it's okay with me. And you go, hey, and they go, you know, say, speak it up. What's the matter with my mouth? That's it. That's it. Speak it out. Yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it. They're literally filling an operation of God called diverse tongues simultaneously with the rebirth because it's your supernatural entry into the government of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. The reason he called it diverse tongues. Now we're going to introduce something to you. So hang on. The reason he calls it diverse tongues, because in reality, passing in review, there is four different supernatural manifestations of the diversities of tongues. Number one. Tongues for personal edification, the revelation gift. Hallelujah. Tongues for personal edification, the revelation gift. If we get to look at that somewhat tonight, the second diversity, the second supernatural manifestation of this eighth operation is... Tongues for interpretation, for use in a public assembly. Tongues for interpretation. The third 
diversity is tongues that extends itself into the deep, deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit and literally empowers a saint. This is the equivalent of what happens. All of a sudden, there's a catastrophe about to take place. There's a group of people that little mamas have been begging God to save. And all of a sudden, in the Spirit, you come to a place in your life where you qualify. And God literally reaches down in this third diversity, picks you up by the nap of your neck, and sets you down on a pathway between hell and people trying to get there. He goes, clump, and just puts you there. In this third diversity, tongues that empowers the believer in deep intercessional groanings literally empowers you to stand the gap for your family, for your church, for your city, and for your nation. You can cause revival in a nation before your God. It's as powerful as the workings of miracles. And if you're honored by God to slide you into that supernatural gift from time to time, the results will be just as powerful, forthcoming, and immediate as the workings of miracles. The third diversity, tongues that extends itself into the deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit, and the fourth diversity. The fourth is tongues that presents itself in a public assembly as a sign to the unbeliever. That that gift as a sign to the unbeliever simply comes upon you, transcends your intellect, and empowers you to preach, teach, or testify in any language that you had no previous knowledge of. And that, my friend, is a sign to the unbeliever personified. I wished I could operate in that sign to the unbeliever any time I wanted to, but I cannot. That one is severally as God wills. I cannot. How do you know? Because I've tried. Hello, foreigner. How are you doing? <laughs> he says, translator. I said, never mind. <laughs> Why not? It's happened to me nine times, but I didn't choose the time. <laughs> I can't do that any time I want. No more than I can slide into the deep, deep intercessional groanings any time I choose. My God, I wish I could. I would deliver this city to you in a month. But I can't. I've known plenty of people who have tried. I have never tried that one, but I know people who have.
<laughs> they were classified a little weird. <laughs> what time is it? Intercession begins in one minute. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. estimate about an hour has passed you know really it's only 45 minutes so they poke a fellow groaner what time is it you have 15 more minutes thank you And they hang around running people off. (laughs) Nothing ever comes of it. The back door of the church is not plugged. It gets wider. (laughs) I can't operate in the deep intercessionals anytime I want. I can't even operate in tongues for interpretation anytime I want. Or else what would he say? If any man speak with tongues, let him pray that he might interpret. Well, why pray about it if I could do it any time I wanted? (laughs) How do you know you can't? Because? (laughs) Then that dreadful silence. And sometimes the false interpreters will go ahead and and bail you out anyway, you know. I said, well, what am I doing? He says, causing confusion and edifying yourself. (laughs) There is only one diversity that I can operate in any time I want to just because I want to as long as I want to and that's that one-fourth of the diversities of tongues that's that first one tongues for personal edification the revelation gift and I can operate in that one as much as I want as long as I want in fact if I let him go he'll pray the next 30 days I'm the one that has to stop it I will stop now he says all right I will stop now. Okay. I'll start now. All right. You ever notice how servant the Holy Spirit is in that area? That's the only gift of the Spirit that I can operate in anytime I please. All the rest of them, words of wisdom, knowledge, intercession, interpretation of tongues, tongues as a sign to the unbeliever, discerning of spirits, all of them operate several as He wills. He wills and flows through you for the edification of others. There's only one gift in the whole makeup, in the whole eight operations that's designed to flow to you for your own edification and that's tongues for personal edification the revelation gift so he has done with this gift what he has done with no other 
He has made you the steward of its operation. Because He has made you the steward of your own edification. Hallelujah. Let's go to Mark 4. Go to Mark 4. Holy Ghost is letting me go. He has done with tongues for personal edification, the revelation gift, what He has done with no other. He has made me the steward of its operation. I can edify myself as much as I want, as long as I want, just because I want to. No other gift like tongues for personal edification. Now, I have been to camp meeting after camp meeting. I have instilled on the inside of people what has been on the inside of me. But it wasn't until He purged me to peace and brought me into a place in His holiest of holies in His presence that not only had I not been in before, but I really didn't imagine it even possible. But until that point, I instilled into every person that would listen to me, camp meeting after camp meeting, what God commissioned me to instill into them. And that was, this I say then, brethren, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the warrings and the lustings of the flesh. And the only thing I really knew how to do was get people excited enough to turn their personal lives over to some degree of prayer. But you can't know as the love of God grew in me how it would break my heart. I would get people so excited over prayer and then come back as I did to so many camp meetings year after year. And out of that hundred or that hundred and fifty that got so excited that they finally found out there's a way they could draw nigh unto God on purpose just because they want to. And they'd tuck them ten-pound Bibles up under their arm and march for the prayer closet. And buddy, in that first month or so, you had better stay out of their way. I'm going to intercession. I'm going to pray. Get out of my way. You didn't dare try to stop them. Because they would march right over the top of you. I'd be so excited to leave people in that condition. But a year later, I'd come back. <laughs> Where is those uh, hundred devil-stomping, mountain-moving intercessors with them ten-pound Bibles that was marching on the devil when we left? Oh, after about a month or two, 50, 60 of them dropped off. In the next three or four months, we lost another 30 or so. And then some of them lasted almost five months. And then it finally settled back down to the same four who were hanging around praying in the first place. And you can't know. 
you know, how this affected me until one day I was across the street in Tulsa and I looked across the street and the Holy Spirit spoke up just as loud as me and, and said, I want you to stop long enough, stop, come off the field for a certain amount every week to establish within these people the ability to pray. And he called it enduring prayer. Enduring prayer. And he says, I will teach you things during this time about prayer that you don't know. You've experienced it, but you've never been able to put words to it. So we got to settle down with a bunch of people and begin to walk them through prayer. I wanted to know why people fell out of prayer. Why the intercessors are labeled as weird. Why they got the reputations they got. Why they caused so much trouble. Why there's war in the teacher's camp. Against the intercessor's camp. What's going on? How come a person can pray for three months and either else get weird or fall out of prayer? I said, I don't understand this. So the teachers came on the scene to mop up the mess and said great astounding statements like, well, you can pray in tongues too much. How would they know? <laughs> you can pray in tongues too much. And one said, well, now it does open you up to God, but it also opens you up to the devil. My God. God, how can you edify yourself too much? I was with Rick Renner, and he finished teaching that night. And I went back to the tape table with him. And this person stepped up and says, <laughs> I think God's called me to be an intercessor. But I know this woman. And God called her to be an intercessor too, and I think she prayed too much because she started getting weird. He says, how do I keep from getting weird when I go to make intercession? I finally couldn't take it anymore. I stepped up between him and Rick and faced this old boy and said, if you get weird, it's because you already had a capacity to be weird. I couldn't take it anymore. See? And in these four diversities of tongues, there is four power flows that will eventually manifest itself in the life of people who learn enduring prayer. There is four diversities of tongues. Two of them are designed for public assemblies. That is, tongues for interpretation and tongues as a sign to the unbeliever. And two of them 
are designed to empower the believer in the prayer closet. And that is tongues for personal edification, the revelation gift, and tongues that will eventually extend itself into the deep, deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit. And when a man learns enduring prayer, there will be four power flows that envelops itself in these two diversities that empower a believer in the prayer closet. And these four power flows are this. Tongues for personal edification, the revelation gift. That one is when you can walk back and forth hour after hour after hour and just pray in tongues. Ten hours, fifteen hours. It doesn't matter if you scream it and you think you're warring. It doesn't matter if you think you're screaming at the devil until the veins are popping out in your neck. Do you hear that devil? No, he didn't hear it because you're just edifying yourself. <laughs> Tongues for personal edification. That's the number one power flow. That one's the revelation gift. That's the one that'll sustain you through most of your enduring prayer. That's the one you will live in most of the time when you're in God's presence in prayer. Because you'll be free flowing. Zonado tiku sundile meture so isodanomori bukuri che hour after hour now we just love it don't we we just love it when the Holy Ghost pulls things out of our life that we want to get rid of ah, don't we love that I didn't like that ugly thing that kept me from getting healed and one day I was praying in the Holy Ghost and God revealed that ugly thing that was keeping me from getting healed. And do you know what? I mortified it. I cut it off and then I got healed. woo I'm healed. Boy, we love it, don't we? We just absolutely love it. Love it. When He reveals things we want to get rid of that's keeping us from drawing closer to God. When we don't like it, is when he reveals things we don't want to get rid of. <laughs> and he does that. <clears throat> I've stayed in motels and in America. No use looking for the light switch on the wall. It's a string somewhere in the middle of the room. But at least they have electricity. Bathroom down the hall. Telephone down the street. You come in after a meeting. You're looking for the light switch. Where is it? You're walking across the room fanning the air, you know. All of a sudden you hear this crunch, crunch, crunch. That was a big one. (laughs) 
and you go click and all these little creatures of the dark cockroaches boy they run for the cover of darkness just except for the trail of dead bodies you know and you look over at the counter and there's a big rat just glaring at you with a whole cattail hanging out of his mouth you know this guy this guy is big and all of a sudden there's a cockroach that comes out from behind the rat doesn't it make you mad when you turn the lights on and there's always that cockroach it just it just stands there and licks his hands like I'm in no hurry I'm going to finish this meal So the deal's on. You get your faithful can of raid out. You go, and he rallies. And he runs into his little hole and he comes out with boxing trunks and gloves on. He says, you want to fight, buddy? I'm not running from you anymore. You say, oh yeah. And he rallies. You Finally get him in the face and his hair blows back. Full in the face with raid. And he goes... He says, look, buddy, I'm a high brand. <laughs> he says, I'm going to fight you. And see, most of us, we have character flaws. And when the Holy Ghost came and baptized some of you, he stood up and looked around at his new home and said, my God. It's a good thing I'm God. <laughs> he said, short of me, I, I don't know who could help this person, you know. And he surveys all of these cockroaches hiding over in the corner of darkness. And he says, boy, it's a good thing I came because I'm God and I'm going to start praying for this person. Oh, they do need my prayers. And the first thing I'm going to do is free flow. I'm going to edify them and edify them through tongues for personal edification, the revelation gift, until they start being full of mysteries and divine secrets and the revelation and understanding that everything Christ is in them the hope of glory I'm going to illuminate them like turning a light bulb on on the inside of their spirit as long as they'll let me hallelujah so God the Holy Ghost begins to pray for you and divine secrets and mysteries are transferred between your spirit and God's spirit. And when He answers, Scripture that you've never understood, wisdom that you've never had, divine secrets you've had no understanding of, these things ignite begin to burn with a fervor on the inside of a believer who learns enduring prayer. There's just one problem. All these cockroaches are hid in these little rooms of darkness. 
and you pray every day and that illumination keeps creeping up higher and higher in your life and every day you hear screams as these cockroaches goes oh you got me another one has been drugged into the light exposed and put to death and finally the kingpin the big cockroach of self-exaltation he's up in the royal suit at the top and he hears the screams of his comrades as edification empties every room until finally the light begins to flash across his room and them little rays of sunlight hit his carpet he says I'm not running I'm not running and he goes into his closet and he gets his boxing gloves and he gets his boxing trunks out and he marches out right in the center of the light and he says I'm not running anymore all right cockroach of self-exaltation how are you going to stop the edification that's going on how are you going to stop it he says I'll tell you how I am going to declare war on this anesthetic 20th century computerized mind and I'm going to deliver blow after blow of emotions that you never dreamed possible and I will not give up my position of high lord as self-exaltation I will not and all of a sudden you're free-flowing you're doing fine little cockroaches have died all along the way I just love this church I'm here for the duration I'm be as faithful as flypaper I'm stuck on you you can count on me Three or four months has went by. Five months. And the Holy Spirit has been able to bring you to a place in edification you've never been before. You're not going to spend four, five, six months in prayer and come out the worse for it. It is a spiritual impossibility. You will not spend five months in mysteries, divine secrets being transferred from His Spirit to yours because you have chose to enter into the holiest of holies and turn out the worst for it. Then what happens? That cockroach of self-exaltation. That cockroach of the love of money. That cockroach of strife and hurt. That cockroach of molestation that left them stuck. That them scars are so deep you haven't survived it. That cockroach of rape that scarred you so bad that you lay there at night. That 
cockroach of abortion in the old days when the devil condemned you and then revelation knowledge come and you realize that you took an eternal life of a God creature. However, it is forgiven. And you need to know that. But that cockroach of self-exaltation marches out in the middle of the light and declares war on your anesthetic, computerized mind. And when he does, all of the sudden you're free flow. And all of a sudden, emotions begin to hit. More, and your words, splat. So you go in the kitchen and get a spatula. Every tongue you're praying is just collecting on the floor. Soda karamo, soda kara, splat, splat, and you. Soda maka. I don't feel like praying. In fact, I came and I spent an hour in intercession, so I'm tending to believe that what that teacher told me is true. You can spend too much time praying in tongues. People get weird from praying in tongues. If you get weird, it's because you already had a capacity to be weird. All you did was bring out something you were already capable of, my friend, and it took you out of prayer last year. So you start hitting this impasse. This impasse. So this cockroach of self-exaltation says, watch this. And he punches with his right hand. Because the more you pray, the more of that self-exaltation is exposed. And he says, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to give this up. I've had this prestige. I've used this. I've thrown my weight around. I've used my money in the church. I've bought my exaltation. I don't want to give it up. You think I'm going to be a lost number in the body? You think I'm going to be one of those little people? I've had this position too long. I'm not giving it up. And the more you pray, you leave the meeting depressed. I thought praying in tongues is supposed to edify you. Instead, I left depressed. Then at six or seven months, it hit the prayer center. I mean, all these cockroaches living in these people that took them out of prayer and made them weird before. They start going home and we'd track them down. And say, aren't you going to come back and pray anymore? I don't want to pray. No, I'm not coming back to pray. And I'll tell you something else. I don't want to pray. And I don't want to even want to pray. (laughs) So you can go home. I don't want to want to. Let me give you a little hint. Although free flow is fun. When you hit that second power flow, that's what sealing your life last year. That's the things that exist in you that the devil could use any time he wanted to control you with. That you hit this ceiling and all of a sudden you don't feel like you're getting through. The heavens are brazen. Your emotions are fighting. You want to retain the 
integrity of the old man. And the Holy Spirit wants to put him to death and an emotional war takes place. And the more you pray, the more depressed you feel about it. So folks, <laughs> from the little hint, you're actually producing more power to stay in when you hit that impasse than you are when you're free-flowing. I know when I hit that, there'd be somebody free-flowing next to me, you know. See, could you imagine? And I'm going, The heavens are brass. It doesn't feel like I'm getting through. Quite the contrary. You're getting through. Them emotions took you out last year. So why are you going to trust them? They're the ones that messed you up before and you're trusting them now? Tell them to shut up. You're producing more power than you was free-flowing. Free-flowing brought you to that place so you could get past it. The reason that He brings them out at that point, because you're never, never in any better shape spiritually to put them to death than after spending four or five months in free-flowing edification, divine secrets, illumination, mysteries, igniting of the Word. Never in any better shape. And the Holy Ghost will choose that time when you're ready to pull the emotions out. And let you go ahead and put them to death. You're entering into a mild form of intercession for yourself. That's not the time to give up. That's the time to stay in. You are now producing more power than you produced in the four months before. Because now He's putting to death the things that sealed your life and kept one year like the next. Until five years down the road you look back and your life has not changed. Hallelujah. I can't hardly wait until we get into the deep groanings intercessional part this week. Because this is where He's heading you for. He wants to make you something that God can pick up and drop on a pathway between hell and people trying to get there just because you're available and because there's no character flaws that the devil can move in and destroy you with for producing enough power to get a city born again. Makes me want to pray more. I think I will. See you guys later. Oh, son of my God. <laughs> well, let's look at these verses for a moment. I don't want to overload you tonight. Are you learning anything? Whoa! Hallelujah! Looking at the 18th verse. Notice this. And these are they which are sown among thorns. The thorns already existed. These are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the Word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke it, the Word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the Word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, 
some thirtyfold, some thirty, and some a hundred, or some sixty and some a hundred. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought? And the subject is, These are they which are sown on good ground. The subject is the Word of God producing in our life up to one hundredfold. He said unto them, Is a candle brought? Or is the Word given to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? Is the Word of God given to you not to understand? The Word of God is given to you for the same reason a man walks in a room, puts a candle on the table, and ignites it. Every obstacle hid in darkness in that room has suddenly got some kind of light shined on it. He says, is the Word given to you not to understand? Is a candle brought into a dark room not to ignite? In the subject's the Word. Is the Word given to you not to understand? Then he went on to say something incredible in 22. For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither anything kept secret, that it should not come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now the subject of this is the sower sows the word and he's asking you a question. Is the Word given to you not to understand? Or is it given to you to ignite your spirit? The same way a candle ignites a dark room. And when you enter the dark room, every obstacle hid in darkness is suddenly brought to light. And he went on to say the most incredible thing. I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't want to produce a hundredfold. Of these eight operations, I know not yet my final resting place in these eight operations of apostle, prophet, teacher, worker of miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities. I know not yet my final resting place. But I do know this. Whatever it is, I want to fill my operation wall to wall. If I was a businessman, I would want to be responsible for multi-billions of dollars to flow to the kingdom from my hands. I would pick gladiators, champions of the truth, and I would pay their mouth literal millions of dollars to represent my portion of the kingdom and sweep millions into the gospel I would do it because he'd give me the ability to do it for he's promising me here he says the words given to candles given to ignite the words given to you for to make good ground to produce a hundredfold one hundredfold for he says there's nothing hid that will not be made manifest. There's nothing kept secret that will not be brought to light or a broad meaning. What is it that's in your life that's keeping you from producing a hundredfold? You got a cockroach? Huh? Have you got a cockroach? 
He said, there's nothing hid. He's give you a guarantee. Nothing. That'll not be made manifest. Anything that's keeping you from receiving a hundredfold, He will pull whatever that thing is for full inspection in the revelation knowledge of His light. And this is why praying in tongues, that number one power flow, is a revelation gift. Because during that free flow, there's divine secrets transferred, mysteries, divine secrets from your spirit to God, from God's spirit to yours. And the mysteries you're flowing in are the same ones that have been hid in God since before the foundation of the world. They're all the mystery and the wisdom and the understanding of everything Christ is in you to you and through you the hope of glory when somebody preaches to you the candle of the word when you pray in tongues my friend you ignite it you ignite it oh Every verse that's been hid in you since Sunday school days. When you pray in tongues, you praying the mystery, the understanding in that verse up before the Father. And when He answers that prayer, it ignites that verse in the brilliance of the light that arrays in every direction starts dragging those cockroaches out, those things that are hid in darkness that's keeping you from receiving a hundredfold. And my friend, not all of them want to die. So when our prayer center hit cockroach time, <laughs> the people got mad at the stupidest things. Have you ever noticed when God's exalting your problem that you pick on everybody else? So all of the sudden, as their own character flaws and their weaknesses was drug into the light, especially the ones they didn't want to get rid of, of self-exaltation, these intercessors started coming in. And things similar to this took place. I'm not coming here anymore. Look at this dingy orange carpet. It's not worthy of myself. And I don't like the music. And this side got to hating this side, and this side hated this side. And these intercessors that thought they were something would come in and say, you know, we could win the whole city for God. We could do it. If you would just get out of my chair, you know. I always sit in that chair. Oh my God. Get out of my chair. Stupid. Stupid. And this side wanted me to go over and get this side. And, and this side wanted me to go over and get that side and said, Would you go over and discipline them? You know what they did to me? And I'd go pat, pat, pat. I'd say, Get back in prayer. And then this side would say, I'd say, Pat, pat, pat. Get back in prayer. They wanted me to run over using extreme discipline and tie them up. Let me tell you what that's equivalent to. If you tie a man up in a chair to keep him from sinning, you might as well turn him loose. Because when you turn him loose, he's going to sin. 
You can just tie him up. Say, what you got that man tied up for? Because every time I untie him, he sins. And I want him to live holy. <laughs> and he's sitting there all tied up. He says, you may have my body tied up, but I'm sitting on the inside. I'm sitting there. <laughs> and it's right, you might as well untie him. Because he's guilty. And you can force this bunch to go, I said, go apologize. Do I have to? Yes. Why? They're wrong. I said, you have to go apologize. Well, what will I lose if I don't? Your job. <laughs> Your paycheck. <sighs> Since the discipline you've inflicted on me is worse than not doing it. <sighs> I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Are you happy now? No. You didn't do anything. That's the same with the man whose problem is women. You know, he says, oh, I need to be delivered. <laughs> what are you going to do? Put him on an island where there isn't any? <laughs> We're always wanting God to change everything around us when He's trying to change the problem. He said He'd make a way to escape. And we think the way to escape is when we close our eyes and pray and He changes everything around us. God forbid that I am the one that needs changed. So they want me to tie this bunch up to make them be nice to this bunch, that wouldn't do any good because as soon as you untie them, they go over and get ugly again. So what did you do? Roberson got the whip and said, look, the things that you people are doing now is what existed on the inside of you. So quit blaming on the other. You've hit an impasse. So if you'll stay in, you'll come through it. Get on your knees and pray. Pow! But we, we, no, you're wrong too. Pow! Kick back in prayer. And the most incredible things begin to happen. Those things begin to die. And now the same people look back and they say, I am so embarrassed. But you mean to tell me I was capable of that stuff? I mean to tell you, you was capable of that stuff. But now that it has died, the ceiling's off your life. The devil's got no more handoffs to control you with, to knock you out of prayer. He's going to make an intercessor out of you yet. Stay in there. Your life's changing. You're conforming to him. All your handles are falling off. And this is what Jesus meant when he says, Satan cometh, but he has no place in me. There was nothing in his life that he could use to control him with. It all was dead. He had mortified it. Put it to death. This is what he means when he says, it's through the Spirit that you mortify. Through the Spirit that you mortify, put to death. Now, I'm going to stop with this one. There was a woman extremely rich. No. He's changing me, but I'll go ahead. There was a multi-multi-billionaire, millionaire husband. 
And the woman was extremely faithful to her little Pentecostal church down on the corner. And if she came in after nine, he would physically and mentally abuse her to the breaking point. It didn't make any difference. She remained faithful. And one day, I'm sure, through no foresight of his own, this multimillionaire died and left her his entire fortune. You talk about an elated little Pentecostal church. They was elated. This multi-millionaire widow sitting on the front row. And after a while, her attendance became less and less frequent while her cars became longer and longer. She went from the front to the middle to the back of the church. She then only attended during crusades. Eventually she dropped out of them. And the only power she went out under is the gold draped on her arms when she raised her hand and went out under the weight of it. <laughs> and everybody said it was better that she never inherited that money at all. Wrong. You don't climb into an attic and turn the light on and say, My God, look at all the dirt this light brought. The dirt was already there. All the light did was expose it. He said, These are they which are sown among thorns. When the Word landed, the thorns already existed. The money was not her problem. All the money did was bring out of the woman what she was already capable of. Well, I'd rather the Holy Ghost bring it out. He'll put it to death than to have wealth bring it out. That'll destroy me. You can take a man in a communist block country and the word communism means all things in common. Where's a man's initiative to be the best doctor on the block when everything's in common? How can you have initiative for business or the best school teacher when all things are in common? When there's no religious freedom? When it comes to adversity, my friend, the flesh looks for a way out. When it comes to pleasure... He looks for a way in. Yet this man, this believer in a communist block country will raise his hands. He'll praise God at the risk of imprisonment and torture and even death. Because adversity looks for a way out. Take this amen. Transport him into a land such as America with freedom of enterprise. And to make it interesting, give him the freedom of religion and a couple of hundred thousand dollars to start his new life with. And his loyalty to Jesus Christ is about to be more severely tested than he ever dreamed under adversity. Because when it comes to adversity, the flesh looks for a way out. But when it comes to pleasure, it looks for a way in. 
It is said that the church always prospers in great times of adversity. There is a great influx into the church. Is there really? Because in great times of prosperity, the same people fall away. So when is our loyalty more severely tested? In times of adversity or times of prosperity? It wasn't the money. It's the love of it. And that already existed on the inside of the woman before she got the money. All the money did was bring it out. How many of you have got ceilings on your life that's kept your spiritual growth at a standstill from one day looks like the next until one week turns into another? Year after year you look back over your life. You've done no more. You've just as defeated because you've been ceilinged. This is what the eighth operation is about. Of all the operations of God, divers' tongues is the one that God designed so He could get involved personally with your spirit and supply the power that you need to fill every other office and calling that He separated you to, to give you the insight, the wisdom, the authority, the empowerment that goes with your office, whether you be helps government's multimillionaire cause to support the gospel, whether you be preacher, teacher, workers of miracles, gifts of healings, apostle, prophet, whatever the call, that eighth operation, all the rest of them rest upon it. And it's designed to turn God loose on the inside of your spirit where permanent change takes place. It's called tongues for personal edification. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't let that cockroach knock you out. I just don't feel like my prayers are getting through right. Contrary. You're getting more done than you dream possible under even the free flow. And when you felt good and prickly and high, well, we sure had a good prayer session that time. You ought to come out when you hustle about a splat. The other one, I just feel depressed and like my prayers aren't getting anywhere. Oh, shit, but shit. Well, that's when you ought to come out and say, boy, we really had a good session tonight. Because that's when you're producing. And that one is lining you up for the deep intercessional groanings, which will eventually come. And when they come, they'll change your city. This is what historical revivals are made out of. Glory. I can't hardly wait till tomorrow night. I want to ignite some more word. Don't you? I want my business to succeed. You can get the cockroaches out of it. I want my ministry to succeed. Not as much as God does. You must be quite a problem. (laughs) I 
think it's funny too, I have been a victim. He purged some things out of me that uh, has delivered me to peace. And He'll do it to you. Your home meeting prophets don't like these kind of prayer things because they take endurance, substance to life. It's time consuming. It's developing an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It's time consuming. You need to dedicate nights a week. But the reward's worth it. Home meeting prophets don't like this kind of thing because they don't get any glory out of staying there and shutting up and praying in tongues quietly and not causing scenes. They'll go find a little group where they can prophesy over people again and get the glory for it. <laughs> no, they don't like this. Anything that has work instead of glory tagged to it? Mm-mm. Now they'll go find somewhere they can be king again. Big frog, little pond. They'll go mess your little church up. <laughs> Have you ever noticed why your life keeps circling around and you're the mighty prophet or prophetess that he keeps sending to all these little prayer meetings because they need you? Yeah, they need you, all right. You broke them up and the last one's run you all. Wise up, it's you, not them. God is disciplined and he has government and divine order. Hallelujah.